Welcome to the Geek Cheek Podcast, where new year, new you, same old BJ. Uh, I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, BJ. Um, here. You're here. Maybe you're not same or old, but you're definitely still here. I'm old. I'm old. I I turn 37 tomorrow, so I've hit that point where I'm officially... Well, as they're listening to it, it's my birthday, so hey, happy birthday! But I've hit that point where I'm officially in my late 30s at 37. There's not even mid-30s anymore. It's just there, so I'm old now. (laughs) I'm I'm officially old. Officially middle-aged, and it's like, ha-ha! Welcome. Uh, Way to ring in the new year. Same old beach. Um, yep, exactly. So we're back. We, uh, we're we here. It's another season, which is always weird. So if you've never listened before, you would think the first episode of a season is a good place to jump on, but this one usually isn't representative. Maybe go back <laughs> one or two, maybe go forward one or two. Fair warning up front, but if you want to start here, um, we basically catch up because... We have both been not recording for like two and a half weeks, almost three weeks at this point. So we just have a bunch of stuff we've been doing. And this year, we identified a couple of things that we're actually going to break off into their own episodes, either later in January or maybe even into February. So like I watched The Watchmen and I have a lot of thoughts and you've read it. And now I'm going Mm -hmm. back to reread the comic and you said you want to watch the show. So we'll probably do an episode on that in a while. So I'm just going to wait on that. I've been playing a ton of Xbox Games Pass games, and I have a lot of thoughts about Games Pass now that I've spent like a good month with it. Um, we're going to do an episode on and that. And you've played a lot on that if you, like, you've played, it's a Gamefly episode basically, like we used to do. It's a ton of games that you've worked through. Yeah, I basically played everything on it on Xbox that I haven't played in the past. So there was a lot there, and I, I just have a lot of thoughts about it. So, like I said, uh, we broke off stuff like that, like Rise of Skywalker. We're going to hold off there because we both have a ton of thoughts. Um, Those will be more episodes later. So this is kind of like everything else, all of the smaller geekery stuff that has built up over the last like three-ish weeks while we've been gone, basically. Yeah, and it's weird looking at yours. Like yours is so full of stuff. And I realized that I really did take this break, this Christmas uh, break with PTO. But I really did take this break off. I didn't play nearly as many games as I thought I would. I didn't like sit and just watch oodles of TV or anything at all. It's like I was just chilling and it was awesome. But I did stuff, obviously. So so yeah, it's gonna be cool to catch up. Yeah, let's get into it. So we kinda organized it into different sections. So I'm kinda interested because you said games, you didn't really do a whole lot. Not really, no. I didn't really play any real games. Um, Jennifer got Untitled Goose Game for Christmas. I got her that as a stocking stuffer, actually. I went to Target and got the little card so I could put it in her uh, her her stocking. And so she was excited about that, and I watched her play that, and she loved it. But really, what I've been playing, and it, it's almost embarrassing, but also like I've had such a good time with it, is I've been playing Marvel Strike Force and Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, those stupid little arena battler games it's i really really love these right now and i've been having so much fun just building up my squads and like leveling up thrawn and the emperor and they've introduced things in both of them where you can like work better towards specific uh characters and like legendary characters you want to unlock and go through these different things it's like it's just been fun for me so my spare time for gaming has just been opening up my phone and playing through and collecting characters but like i haven't played dragon quest games games i haven't really even played anything on the switch i got pokemon sword for christmas but i haven't even taken the shrink wrap off of it because i just haven't had the desire to play anything like long form yeah and i mean i i played a bunch especially like games pass i tried a lot but sometimes you just need 
that level of mindlessness, right? Like there's yeah. the ones you're talking about, they take a little bit of engagement, but they don't take your whole brain power. And sometimes that's kind of what you need. And that's kind of where I am with it. Like, that's exactly what it is. It's not something that I have to really concentrate on, but I have to pay attention enough to be, I can, I need to play this or I can do this or, or just achieve this goal. And like, I, I do raids and weird, like territory battles with, a, with guilds that I'm in. I talk to people on here, but it's not something that I have to really concentrate on or have, or can't just click shut whenever I need to do something else. That makes sense. Even more so than Switch games and things like that. Yeah, but you did do movies, you did shows and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what were you watching this uh, this break? Because usually you dig through a ton. Like, where did ours line up? Like, what movies and stuff did you end up seeing other than Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, of so course, Star there's Wars. Star Wars. So we both have thoughts about that. We'll hold them for another episode, another day. Um, but besides that, I, I kind of caught up on a bunch of movies that were middle grade or bad or i didn't watch all of and a bunch of shows that i had on my list to try out and they didn't stick so the things that did stick were like Watchmen, which again i think there's enough there that we want to actually talk about it more in depth so i'll wait um but the the one show that i wanted to highlight because it was really good and i hadn't heard a whole lot about it was undone and okay it's an amazon original i'd seen it advertised but i like just never clicked on it because all the advertising is kind of weird the style of mm -hmm. the show is strange it's this like late 20s slice of life it's about it, it's strange in the way that like fleabag is strange where you can't really okay. describe it it's not exactly like fleabag it's not exactly that but it's it's like late 20s slice of life it has stuff around mental health but then it goes into like time travel and non-linear time and culture and family and relationships and it manages to do so many things all within this kind of like construct of just being like daily life but then also is it really and the the main character starts questioning whether she's having mental health issues or whether she's actually like tapping into seeing things that are beyond what most people see and that's kind of this like middle ground that the show lives in um it's really really good and it's really really stylized and i watched that thing through in i think one night because it just totally hooked me Oh, wow. Like, how many seasons are there at this point? There's just one season, and all of the episodes there... are like 30 minutes. So it's not a huge ask. I think it's like somewhere in the 7 to 10 episode range. It's not not gigantic, but I liked oh. it a lot. And it's this strange style where, I don't know if it's strange. It's cool in the end once you adjust to it. They have real actors, and you can tell they're really acting, and they have like sets and everything that they've done. But then they go and they like animate over it. And so you never actually see the actor but you can recognize them like they're recognizable actors but they've been animated over the top like if you just google undone amazon you'll see exactly what i'm talking about it's this kind of strange style that's exactly what i did when you started and i see the animation style i've seen trailers for this in front of other amazon stuff and so when i uh saw this like oh yeah that show it looks super cool i'd forgotten about it but yeah the the animation i guess I mean, it is animated i suppose where it looks like it's cell shaded almost over the actors and uh but yeah it looks super cool that this is one if it's actually that good i'll have to check out too i guess once i get done with Watchmen. <laughs> yeah and the first episode is just kind of like a slice of life and i wasn't quite sure what it was doing uh you definitely have to watch the second episode to even really understand the premise so keep that in mind but uh i recommend that one i like that one a lot and then the other thing that i see you also saw was frozen 2 
Yes. And how did I want to I want to know how you felt about it before I even say anything. I haven't even looked at your notes on this one. So I'm I'm really curious on Frozen 2 for you from a, a dad's perspective. I didn't make any notes. I think I I just wrote down Frozen 2 because I liked it. Um and usually if I if I don't if I'm not like over the moon about a movie and I don't hate it and I just kind of like it, I don't have as many thoughts and that's where it's landing for me. Um it was really good. And I think the main difference between like Frozen 2 and Frozen is that the first movie had a lot of things that were very, they're catchy and they were kind of earwormy and they were almost Mm -hmm. like that Disney sing-along style where by the time you get to the end of hearing a song, you feel like you know all of the song and you could immediately sing it, right? Yes. Um, Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And Frozen 2 feels like the music is excellent and in a way the music is better but it's not sing-alongable, it's not catchy, it's more like a musical, like a Broadway-type musical, where the music is telling a story, it's like narrative. So I liked it a lot, and I walked out of there, and I was like, wow, that was really good music. And then I was like, I don't actually remember any of the music. I don't think I could sing it, I don't think I could sing even a phrase from it. Um, So on the way home, we started listening to the soundtrack, and I was like, yeah, this is really good. It's just not quite as catchy. And that's kind of where I landed with it. It was great, I loved it, I think it adds a lot to the world. If you like Frozen, uh, I completely recommend Frozen 2. But the music is different. Yeah, and that's kind of where I landed on it, too. I didn't know if having kids who had seen Frozen and probably hit that kind of, like, a little kid watch this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again thing, like so many kids did, would change it. But for me, uh, seeing it, it's like, I do like this one better than the first one. That uh, the more I've thought about it, I really want to see this one again. I can't wait for it to be on Disney Plus uh, to be able to watch. And I felt exactly into where the uh, where you were with the music. It's not nearly as catchy it's not nearly as memorable as far as the just being sing-along when you're out or the kids like becoming obsessed with let it go or anything but they're far more meaningful they tell such a story and characterize these these characters and they are incredibly complex both thematically and musically like i can't sing any of the melodies to any of these songs like you said but the next right thing uh that that particular song is deep like it hits on like mental illness and overcoming grief stuff that i've had to work on with my counselor uh like really taking that night that right next step that uh that anna sings about and it's like my goodness they're putting this in a disney musical and this is really intense stuff that like it took a lot of of wherewithal to be able to come to grips with in counseling sessions it's like they did a lot with this movie and it really seems like they're uh, moving from the kind of movie that the kids at that age latched onto with the first one like this is made for those kids where it's dealing with becoming more mature and the things that come up and things not always being you know good and evil and uh, maybe sometimes you have to make a choice and the right choice isn't always going to turn out okay and I love that they did that with Frozen of all of their franchises because there's so much that they can do. I feel like they pulled their punch a little bit at the end of the movie uh, from some of the stuff they were working up to, but uh, I get it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's darker. I'm glad that they didn't go as dark as they could have towards the end of the movie, but um, it worked. It worked really well. And like you said, it's it's deeper and it's a lot more impactful. It's just not as catchy. 
Yeah. And which I think makes it better overall because I always felt that I love the first Frozen. I felt that it was always missing just a little bit of something to make it coherent, not coherent, to make it cohesive. And I think this movie nailed that part. I think it got the uh, the cohesion right where they need to be able to tell stories in this world. Yeah, it was really good. Well, and you said you also watched Knives Out, which I didn't realize was a Ryan Johnson movie until you told me that but I've heard a ton of buzz around it. So did you like it? Was it good? It's amazing. Okay. It is probably the best movie that I saw this break. Like as much as I love Frozen 2 and as much stuff as I have to say about it, obviously, Knives Out, you can't say anything about without spoiling because it's like Clue. It's a murder mystery and it's just super weird and pulpy. But Ryan Johnson knocks it out of the park on this one. The cast is amazing. I thought that it was going to be super weird with like Daniel Craig doing this really deep South accent. And it's not like you fall right in like this is the world this is the tone and it just it's just fun to watch chris evans uh, captain america is in it and he's just brilliant uh the main character the character who you see the the narrative through her eyes is just just magnificently cast in in what in the uh in just how she portrays it like it is I think it is by far my favorite Ryan Johnson movie. Uh, and I really like all of his movies. And I think the only one I haven't seen, I can't even remember the name of it now uh, off the top of my head, but there's only one I believe that he's directed I haven't seen. And of the ones that I have, this I think is by far his like best overall. That's awesome. I got to go see it. I like his movies. I didn't even realize that I really enjoyed his movies until I watched The Last Jedi. And then I uh -huh. went and I looked him up and then I saw, oh, these movies that I had liked already were by him. I just never put it together. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the way a lot of people were and are where they're like, he's not a household name. He's not like J.J. Abrams or he's not Steven Spielberg or someone who you probably just heard talked about a lot. But it's uh, when you see these movies like, oh, yeah, that movie was really good. Yeah, exactly. And uh, turns out that it was it was Ryan Johnson. So, yeah, Knives Out is great. And you were watching Lois and Clark, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a throwback. Um, actually, a little bit of a throwback, like 30 years or something. Not too bad. Um, Lois and Clark is The New Adventures of Superman. It was a TV show that came on in the 90s, and it was my first real introduction to Superman. Like, it was everything back then. I loved it, but Jennifer loved it more than I did, and she has always been obsessed with it. Like, Lois made her want to be an investigative reporter. Like, she started going into journalism and stuff like that in college because of wanting to be an investigative journalist uh, through all of this because of how much Lois and Clark like impacted her and uh, like it's it's still good I got her the DVD sets for Christmas that was one of the things she really wanted and so I I got her and we've been watching it we finished the first season and it mostly holds up I mean you have to know that it is a kind of ridiculous comic booky 90s superhero romantic comedy but it is it actually holds up and the characters are fun and like I want I didn't think I was going to want to watch it like every night when we settle in it's like oh what are we going to watch now it's like I actively want to watch Lois and Clark and last night was the first night that we didn't watch more than one episode and because Jennifer was sick and it uh it was weird that we only watched one episode like it's uh it's super, super entertaining. It's silly and quirky. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Dean Kane is always going to be my my Superman. 
I loved that show. I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, and I saw it in the show notes for this one, but like I yeah. watched that in the 90s, and it was fantastic at the time. You should totally go back and watch part of it. Like I know that it's on the DC streaming service. Like that's the, We found that out af- after we actually bought the DVDs, but um, they, that doesn't have the special features, and the special features are actually really interesting, too. <laughs> um, because like it, it's this thing from our childhood that we love so much, and now as adults, we're going back, experiencing it, seeing that it actually does hold up and is entertaining and then seeing behind the scenes stuff that's a retrospective after these sets came out years and years later so it's really really interesting and uh, you should totally go watch part of it like it's totally quirky like you know exactly what you're getting into when you watch it but i never thought about it being a romantic comedy before and uh, when jennifer told me i was like it totally is like superman is not at all the focus of this show it actually is lois and clark and the people behind it and that's what makes it good like so much of this is uh, because it hits those genre conventions of romantic comedy I'm glad you're liking it so much, even though you're coming back to it after a while off. Um, yeah. Do I dare ask about your All Access Premium membership? I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I also got Jennifer a one-year All Access Pass. Well, a one-year premium membership to the Dr. Pimple Popper All Access. Uh, that is, uh, YouTube doesn't let people actually make a whole lot of money anymore for creators. There's a lot going on. I'm sure everybody out there has heard it. Like, there's weird things going on for, like, people who've been doing this for a while, the way the algorithms work blah 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 and like premium membership content is uh really starting to come up and they haven't been putting good pimple popping videos on youtube nearly as often and she started an uh an all-access membership and so we've been watching uh the uh we subscribed to dr pimple popper all access and i bought her a chromecast so that she could cast it to the tv and not have to just watch it through the app on her phone so uh that's also part of what we've been doing at night since christmas kind of sweet and kind of gross it's uh yeah yeah that's true yeah Yeah. okay um i i did a bunch over break like i said some of it got to be so long in these show notes that i broke it off into other episodes we'll talk about those another week um but before i get into like the kind of normal stuff we talk about the new project i've had some people ask me about it so I know I talked about it on one of the episodes when we were out. I don't remember which one. Um, But Katie and I are going to do a Disney podcast that releases weekly. And we're going to work through the backlog of every Disney movie ever. And maybe (laughs) more. So it's a huge project. And it's been super fun. We've been recording every... uh, We've been recording like two episodes. And we record it like every other week. So it's going to end up being one episode every week. The thing is... I did this through a new host, which I think is going to be really good in the end. But the downside is that it made the iTunes approval process take way longer than the other times I've done podcast stuff. So we're waiting for the approval still after submitting it like three and a half weeks ago. So, oh, my goodness, that's that's a long that's longer than I've ever had it take. I know it's crazy. So we are waiting as soon as it's approved. I will let everybody know on all of the channels. And what we're going to do is we're going to release two episodes a week until we catch up. Because Katie and I are still recording every single week, or enough to fill up one a week, basically. So for the first maybe month or two, we're going to have like twice weekly releases just to get people into it. And because we have this backlog that we're sitting on. Um, So that's something that I've been doing over break. I'm super excited for people to start listening to it because it's been a really fun project to do. Like, I'm really excited to listen to this show. And it's and I know that you uh, with the... um 
with the host and everything, it's going to have that learning curve and everything. So I'm excited to see what you, how you feel about that host as well, and uh, how some of the features work out for you on that podcast that maybe we can integrate into this one. We'll try it. I'm definitely trying some new things, so it'll be good in the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know I played a bunch of games. A lot of them were on Game Pass, uh, but I mm-hmm. also tried to get back to reading just because after you and I did our end of the year episodes. I hadn't realized how little I read last year until we did right. that. Um, so I really made sure that I read some books. And some of these were audiobooks. Some of them were reading books. Um, but I read the two Star Wars books that I've been kind of sitting on or picking away at. So Force Collector was it was okay, but it was very fan servicey. Um, mm. It didn't add a whole lot, but it was kind of a good revisit of some flashbacks and things that we already know. Um, and then Galaxy's Edge Black Spire, it was okay, but not great. It was probably longer than it needs to be, but it was a really good primer on the setting of Batu, which is where the Star Wars mm. Disney theme park takes place. And yep. that theme park is canon, if you guys don't know. So there's a yep. specific day in the universe, in the Star Wars timeline, that is basically just repeating at that theme park. So every time you go to that theme park, you're experiencing one day of Star Wars canon, and there's a bunch of like hidden stories going on. Um which is super cool. So now I have the background about Batu and about the location, and I just know more about that. So it was good for world building. The book itself was just kind of, it was all right. And the the Batu is also a, a world that they've explored in other books. I know that the second Thrawn novel takes place partly on Batu. that they have Black Spire as one of the towns that they're dealing with uh, during some of the uh, parallel narratives. So it, I think that may have been where it was introduced. It was at least where I learned about it first. Yeah, they started trying to work it into the lore once they knew it was going to be at a theme park. So that's pretty sweet. Um, besides that, I also read Dan Carland, The End is Always Near. And this was one I listened to because I like his podcasts and this is him right. in book form. Um, it was good. It was like an extended podcast basically but it it was all about the end of civilization and what that Hmm. can mean and so some of it was about like the fall of rome and then other stuff was about like how disease and like plagues and stuff can wipe people out and then some of it was about thermal nuclear war and like the cold (laughs) war and what could happen in the future so it was this good mix of things but it was about it was really about the end is always near like no matter what kind of civilization you're in there's a way that it could end so it's kind of a terrifying book but it was also super interesting and i liked it a lot i'm glad that sounds really really interesting and And I might have to check that out from the library and listen to. Yeah, it was great. Um, I read Sword and Pen by Rachel Kane, and this is the finale of the Great Library series. Oh, I did not know it was done now. It is. So it finished up near the end of last year, and I just didn't notice it until I went back and I started looking through like authors and books that I needed to catch up on. Um, right. So it came out sometime in like the last half of last year, but you and I just weren't reading as much last year. So No, um, I'm the same way as you, where last year I've got... I- barely read at all honestly and like i'm still reading one of the books i started last year um but i didn't even think about books that yeah. i was doing i have been reading the burning white still uh, by brent weeks you need to get to that one too like it's on I my no list. idea it, w- it was literally the next one on my list and then i realized that because i needed to get back into reading i needed to build more momentum and that's a big book mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, it's I, taken I was me like, forever I can probably to read that book over break or I can read like five others. And I chose to read five others instead because I needed to get some momentum going. So I'll get back I around. I cannot to it. blame you. Yeah. Um, 
but Sword and Pen was really good. The Great Library series is really good. Um, I still recommend starting with the first one. If you look for the Great Library series, you'll find it. Is it Ash and Bone, Ink and Quill? They're all two words, ink, and I always they all blend together at this point. It's Ink and Bone is the first one, I okay. believe. I would believe you I if you said never anything am- right now. Anything. <laughs> oh, I am hilarious. But no, I can never remember the uh I can never remember the names of any of the others of them, but I'm pretty sure I'm like ninety percent certain it's Ink and Bone. And I'm not looking it up just because I'm just saying it. Yeah, and this is the fourth one, it's the finale. It really feels like she probably wanted to make book three and four together, but the conclusion turned into such an epic thing that it had to become its own book, and that's what this one is. So if you haven't read the Great Library series, now would be a great time to go back and start because they all flow so nicely into each other, and you can do the whole series, and it's only four books. It's not like 14 or anything. Yeah, four books is okay. I'm okay with that when people extend it. Five is the absolute max, and I'm really, really glad that Brent Weeks actually extended the Lightbringer series into five as opposed to a trilogy. But yeah, once it starts getting over that, and they just keep adding on when it's supposed to be a shorter series that they've set it out to be a shorter series, that's when it can get really tedious. But four for a book like that, and with YA especially, where they're fairly uh, quick reads, it's great. It's fine. Yeah, and it was a pretty quick read. I mean, I bet you could read the entire series in the time that it'll take you to read that one Brent Weeks book. I don't doubt it. Like, it is, uh, it's 964 pages, if I remember right, and I'm almost done. I think I'm like 85% through. Yeah, and and so the other one, the last one that I finished over break, um, besides Watchmen, but again, we'll talk about that at a different time. I read, or I listened to it, and that's important, because I don't know if I would have gotten through this one if I tried to read it, but it's called This Is How You Lose the Time War, and it's about Hmm. two agents from opposite sides of a time war, and it's them exchanging letters across the different time streams and across the different, like, threads of reality, and they show up in all sorts of places. So it's not, like, physical letters, but it... They, like, store them in the strangest places that, like, I couldn't even do it justice if I tried to make it up off the top of my head. But once it gets interpreted, it becomes, like, a letter. And then they read it. And it's from the other person's perspective. So they're always reading the letter from the other person. Um, And you learn about the setting through the letters and not directly. I don't think I would have liked this if I had to read it as a book. But it's great as an audiobook. Because it's the kind of prose that and the tone of it that you need to just, like not turn off your brain but you need to let it flow over you and not worry about any individual word and just kind of understand that you'll pick up the meaning do you know what i mean Mm, there's certain writing styles like that that's kind of how i feel about cormac mccarthy i cannot read his books but audiobooks of cormac mccarthy books are great like i love listening to them like the road is fantastic in audiobook cannot read that book in uh, in prose um then there's also um um oh i can't remember it the time traveler's wife by audrey niffenegger it is one of my favorite books of all time i don't like reading it because it's an epistolary novel like that well not really epistolary like the one that you're describing where it's letters back and forth it's uh an oral history kind of different characters narrate different uh different perspectives or different characters narrate different chapters from their own perspectives and uh without the audiobook it gets more tedious but they have really good uh narrative and really good actors doing it so uh listening in books like that where it is changing perspective helps so much yeah so this is how you lose the time war is a 
high recommendation for me if you get the audible version like go listen to it don't read it because i don't think it would be as good if you tried to read it um did you say that you tried to read it or if it's just one where you're it was just one that listening to it i could tell i probably wouldn't have been able to sit down and read it in book form and it's short it's like a i think it's a novella because it's only like five hours four hours somewhere in that range so it's a pretty quick one Cool. And speaking of that, I did see on Discord just a little bit ago while we were uh, while I was waiting to record. Uh, there is apparently a challenge on Audible that between now when we're recording this on January seventh and March third, if you finish, if you complete three audiobooks on Audible that are over three hours long each, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card. So this is a really good one to uh, do, apparently. Sweet. Um, you can check our Discord. It's in the like Save Money Deals uh, channel, but it was uh, pretty cool. And you saying that five hours reminded me. I was like, oh, that would be a good one to do that and get 20 bucks. Yeah, it'd be a really good one. Um, and so I did some games. Like I said, most of the gaming I did was Games Pass. Um, but outside of Games Pass, uh, I tried Divinity Original Sin 2 again. I gave it another mm. like real shot. And the other times I've tried Divinity Original Sin or 2, I played it for like half an hour and I just bounced off of it hard, but I've heard so many good things and, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the like games of the decade podcasts mm, and right. there are enough people that love this one where I really needed to go give it a try. So I played probably five or six hours of this and in the end, I came away just wishing that I liked isometric RPGs more than I do. You know, I really yep. tried it and I just couldn't get into it and it's just, it's a little too fiddly and the camera perspective just makes me feel disconnected from the characters. I can tell there's like good stuff underneath that. I just wanted it to be streamlined. I wanted to be more in the story. I didn't want to be so up and away from it, which is always what I run into with these games, so I should probably stop trying them, but maybe someday an isometric RPG will come along and capture my heart. We'll see. It wasn't well- this one. One day, I hope that too. Like, I have the same problem that you do, where it's just I feel as though I'm not engaged with the world when it's a, a an isometric RPG like this. And it's uh, it's sad because, like, my friend Adam is super into the Torchlight games right now. He just discovered those and is really, really having a good time. And it looks really cool. I've watched him play it. It's like, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I know that the moment that I tried it, I would get bored. It's just like, yep. It's not the kind of game that I would play. Love sitting and watching people play them, though. Yeah. So that was one of them. Um, I also tried Totally Accurate Battle Simulator, which is all in caps. It's tabs, if you've ever seen that. That's what the <laughs> no. game is actually called. I think it's just called tabs. And it was free on the Epic Store for a day. It's a really fun sandbox. If you can get it for like free or under $5, it might still be in early access, technically. Um, the actual levels and like trying to beat the levels and stuff, that was okay. But the fun of it is you can like put like a ghoul up against a woolly mammoth or you could do like you know it's that game where you can generate like an army on one side of peasant farmers and an army on the other side of like scarecrows like it you know it you just throw them against each other and see what happens and it's fun so that was okay that that kind of thing is ridiculous but yeah you spend some time on it that would be fun yeah and you know don't i wouldn't put a lot of money into it but you know somewhere in the like zero to five dollar range that's about right for that game so i had a fun afternoon with it um and then i went back to mario maker 2 because they released zelda in it you can become well not zelda but you can become link and actually have like 8-bit links moves in it so people were making levels Uh around that and it didn't actually make me get hooked on mario maker 2 again it just makes me want them to do a zelda maker maybe they'll do that at some point hopefully which is 
probably what they're working toward with this, maybe. I mean, it might be an experiment to see how people react to it and what kind of content they're making. I mean, Nintendo is has this is now the second thing Nintendo has done to experiment with that, where they've done the Zelda Link's Awakening uh, dungeon put-together thingy-mabobber and this. So looks like they may be moving in that direction somehow. Yeah, it's very possible, and I would be here for it. I would definitely play a Zelda Maker if they did that. They've shown enough promise there that like I'm right. I would buy it day one. Um, the other game that I have to call out is a short hike, and it is it's the one game that you know. I always say that I try to catch up on games that I may have missed because I listen to end of the year podcasts. I listen to this time it's been Games of the Decades podcast, which we might do our own version of that sometime in the next mm-hmm. month. Um, but. A short hike is one that I had never heard of at all. And I didn't hear it widely spread, but a few people that I trust on a few podcasts and on a few sites mentioned a short hike. And I was like, okay, I got to give it a look just because the people who are saying it and how much they like it make me think that I might like it. And it is the most delightful game that I played in 2019. This is the only one that I regret not having finished before our Games of the Year podcast. So wow. It and I don't know if it would have made my top five, but it would have made an honorable mention without a doubt. Like, there's no doubt in my mind at all around that one. Um, it is... And you messaged, you messaged me about this and said that Jennifer would probably like this because it's very similar in theme and style to, like, Journey, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah kind of. I mean, I could I could make that comparison. It It's kind of like... It's an organic exploration game, right? It's right. the style of it is somewhere kind of near Animal Crossing, but it has this unique spin on it. Like it has 3D characters, but it has this pixelated filter over the whole thing that really works okay. for the art style that they've done. And it's almost like Journey where it's really just like you start the game and it's like the, the whole objective is you're waiting for a cell phone call. And you're staying with your aunt for, I don't know, it's, it's kind of implied that you're like there for with her for a couple of weeks or for the summer or something, you know, on this island. And she's like, oh, we don't really get cell phone reception here at the house. You got to go up to the top of the peak. And she's like, I've been up there plenty of times. You can do it. Um, it's kind of like a family tradition. Like people who stay there end up climbing, like doing that hike right up to the peak. Right. And you're this kind of like penguin bird-esque thing. It's very Animal Crossing-y in the look and feel of it. Um and the whole game is just you just got to get to the top of the mountain. But as you start <laughs> walking, you start to like run into other animals and start to meet people around the island. And then there are different paths that diverge. And sometimes they're labeled well and sometimes they're not labeled well. And so you might wander off for a while and explore over here and wander off for a while and explore over there and then find someone who needs help. And the thing you can do is you don't have to interact with any of the other characters and you can try to mainline it straight there. Um it really the only game mechanic that you have to like do a little bit of is you have to acquire these feathers that give you more climbing power or more flying power and uh, because okay. you're a bird creature you can flap a little bit and you can glide a little bit but it's more i don't know it sits somewhere between if this even makes sense in your head put it somewhere between a mario 3d mario game breath of the wild animal crossing and journey mash those games up and you have this game and it's it was so fun like the writing was fantastic throughout i talked to everybody and i if you play this game 
talk to them until you get repeat dialogue because most of them actually have a bunch of dialogue, but you'll only get one at a time as you go up and talk to them. Um, I loved it. Like it was, it was just, it was delightful. That's the word for the game is delightful. Like it was a perfect palate cleanser of a game. I think I beat it in 90 minutes start to finish and I paid all of like $4 for it and I would have gladly paid double or triple that for how much I enjoyed it. It's not a long game. It's a single session game. Like you can just get it right now, play through it in the next two hours and have a great time and then you could be done with it. Um, But I, I love this game. So a short hike I have to call out because I liked it so much. And for some reason, I'm thinking that as you're talking about it, that like, how does this compare to like Firewatch? For some reason, I'm thinking, I'm feeling a Firewatch vibe from the from the description you have. Um, no, not as much because you're not first person. It's like it's third person action. You know, you're controlling this bird character that kind of is a platformer, kind of can climb, kind of can fly. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where this game fits. I just know that it was delightful and I loved it. Fair enough. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. And that last part you were talking about was like, maybe that's like Firewatch. But no, OK. Yeah, I'm just trying to parse it out. I need to play this. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I think most people would like it. It's a great game. Um, and then besides that, uh, we also we were doing some more board games as a family. And we ended up picking up another one from the person or the development group that made Arboretum because we liked Arboretum. Oh awesome because we liked arboretum so much um it's called the fox in the forest and it's a trick-taking game for two players and if you know a trick-taking game like the basics are all here the differences are that like even numbers are just numbered cards of a suit and the odd number cards all have special powers on them and so it's about taking tricks and you either want a lot or almost none but if you kind of fall in the middle of those two you don't get as many points and it, I don't know. It's really fun. It you know a trick taking game. Anytime you talk about a card game like that, that's almost more traditional. It's kind of hard to explain. But if you have two players and you want something super easy to learn, something that's really easy to pick up and plays in like half an hour, and you're a fan of trick taking games, the Fox in the Forest is a really really good one. And my family's been playing it a lot. That sounds really really cool. That's something that I know Jennifer and I would like to play together because we are always looking for fun games that we can play while. Uh like that aren't necessarily video games that are just like two player board games or card games. Yeah, and it's super lightweight. You know, the deck isn't super huge. Like you could definitely like just fit this in your everyday carry bag and just have it with you too. So yeah. I always like that. You know, it's kind of the opposite of a giant board game. It's just a simple card game that you can carry with you. Oh, and speaking of stuff like that, like that reminds me, it's not a board game or anything like that, but I'd forgotten entirely that we had played, we actually bought the Jackbox, one of the Jackbox collections on Switch and played it over uh, over uh, New Year's Eve. That was one of the things we did. Like there was some stuff where we actually had to set up the Switch on the table. Uh, we couldn't use the TV, so we actually did the Switch like they do in the uh, commercials. And we were sitting around in at, a ta- at the uh, kitchen table playing it with austin and grace and uh it was really really cool it was one of those that i had never tried anything like that before that particular brand of party game but the jackbox games are great like some of them are hit and miss but i was i was laughing so hard i was hurting so i was glad we picked that one up too i uh i know that we we will be getting more of those after having that one uh one just raucous good time with it (laughs) so that reminded me of the fox in the forest the way you're talking about how it was the same people who did it as well as jennifer and me looking for the same uh 
the, those kinds of games we can play together because we could do the Jackbox ones like that too. Yeah, it was super good. Um, so that's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys, if you don't know, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And around the network, we have tons of podcasts. We have a bunch of streamers. We have a geekery blog. You can find all of it at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. And you probably know it by now because you guys have been listening for a while. But there's a lot of it, and it's all good stuff. And we're kind of in the process of remixing and relaunching a couple new things and slowing down on some other things so we'll have more announcements on all of that soon but there's a bunch of stuff in the works for the network and there's a bunch of stuff that's ongoing so the best place at the moment is to just go to geek2geekmedia.com and kind of see what's there it's true and i'm working on getting things updated there may be some things that are wishy-washy wonky every now and then like in terms of like especially our content the geek to geek uh, podcast content there uh but uh in terms of finding the show notes but they're always in the podcast apps they're always yep for sure um so you guys can find us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. See, I'm the same. 